All right. So we we do a podcast, and so if you miss a sermon or want to take back, take a look back and see what else we've taught on and preached on here, feel free. You can just go to our website, um, www.aci.church, and you'll find all of our podcasts for the past year. And um, we're still a new church plant. And um, anyway, so welcome to our podcast listeners. And today uh, we're going to be talking from Ephesians 3. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up your Bible to Ephesians 3. So we've been working through Ephesians kind of kind of slowly, but we've been we've been making progress through it. So up up till here, Ephesians 3.14 is where we're going to start. We've seen Paul give people, you know, encourage people in the faith and remind them of God's grace unto salvation, right? And he taught them about unity in Christ between Jewish believers and Gentile believers, and we're all one in Christ Jesus. And after that, at the end of all that, he says, he asks them to not lose heart for him. He's going through tribulations, and they know it. And for some of them, it's weighing them down. They're starting to lose heart. They're thinking maybe this thing isn't worth following through on. So he says, he asks them to, to not lose heart. And that's where we're at in, in verse 12. Or verse 13, he says, Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And then he prays for him. And we're gonna be we're gonna be reading through his prayer here. So I'm gonna go ahead and read through it and then we're gonna go back and we're gonna take it apart right piece by piece. Okay. Verse 14 through 21. <clears throat> for this for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to his power, or the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church, by Jesus Christ, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So, so at the beginning of this, in verse 15, Paul starts out by saying, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And he just drops in these continual reminders, which I think are really great, because just to remind people, hey, there is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. And I think that that's a good reminder for all of us. Paul dropped it in his letters, and so people back then would, you know, not listen to to the voices out there that were saying otherwise. And I think we need to hear it today too. Acts four twelve says there is no sal- their salvation in the- nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so we hear about you know, and I'm putting this in quotes. All religions lead to God, or it doesn't matter what you believe, just as long as you're a good person. Right? Or there are many paths to God, those type of things. But those, they're all myth. I mean, think about it. What proof do they have? People who people who make those claims. What tell me, who is it that they know? What documentation do they have of somebody who went back who died, went to the other side, stayed there for long enough to know what's going on, and then came back and told them? What? No documentation? Then that means it's a myth. 
And so with all these things that are there, it's, it, that's called unsubstantiated, which means to establish proof by competent evidence. If you were to bring something into a court and give them you know, your, your theory with no evidence, they'd throw you out. But for some reason, people pass that along today as like common knowledge and, and call it science. That's not science. That's myth. What science is, is you know, 20,000 Greek manuscripts dating all the way back to 90 AD that, that gives us the words of Jesus. That's called science. So don't don't listen to the people who who gives us all religions lead to God or those types of things, right? They don't. That's contrary to what Jesus said. That's contrary to what the Bible said says. Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me." So, but the reason why many people fall so so many people like fall head over heels in love with that. The reason why is because they don't know what salvation really is, right? They they think salvation just means hey, you're trying to be a good person or something like that. So they see signs like our, you know, Jesus saves signs, and they and, and really they should scratch their head and say, Jesus saves from what? And maybe some of them do, but what is it Jesus saves from, right? So according to the Bible, he saves you from your sins. He saves us from our sins. Education can give you a better job. It can change your life by giving you a better job, higher class in society, nicer things. But you know what? It can't wash away the sin of the wrong things you've done. And it can't give you peace with God. The concept of Buddha can make changes in your life, but you know what? It can't forgive the sins that you've done. And it can't give you peace with God. Allah can force you to comply, but he can't forgive your sins. And he can't give you peace with God. Because that's a different concept. That's, that's not the same God that we worship. And so the whole family in heaven and earth. You notice it doesn't say in under the earth. Three, when, it talks, when the Bible talks about you know, mankind, it says... In heaven and in earth and in under earth, because there's those three places where people can be, right? If people are alive, they could be on earth. If people are passed away, they can either be in heaven or under the earth and hell, one of those places. So the whole family in heaven and in earth, there's notice it doesn't say anything about anybody under the earth, because the whole because the family of God you won't find down there. The whole family in heaven and on earth is in is is in the name of Jesus Christ, right? Because there's only one way to salvation in him. And so, it, and as a Christian, if, if you and I are following Jesus Christ and are diligent about his business, then you don't have any need to worry about the place under the earth. The Holy Spirit's our comforter, and he gives us comfort about our future. So that's verse 15. And ver then in verse 16 here, to be strengthened, it talks about, right? To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. There's so much stuff in here, but what it is is that is this strength and power. What that is to be strengthened, it means to be made powerful, right? It's 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 power that God that's bestowed from God and it, and and it, and it dwells within us when we ask. And it's not just strengthened or empowered, but with might, which by the way is dunamis. It's where the word dynamite comes from, right? Anyway, so it's like what what this has to do with is just effectiveness, right? It's it's if have you ever felt like you're like unable to take the next step forward in life? Like things just aren't working out. You don't have enough strength to hold on for another day. Or you don't have enough strength to take the next step. That's the opposite of dunamis. Dunamis, the God gives, is the power to, to, to do what he set before you. It's not this, it's, you know, when, when you feel like I just can't even get out of bed today, that's the opposite of dunamis. God gives you the get up and go so you can go out and do. It's effectiveness. God wants you to be strengthened with mind power. It's interesting how people just kind of get this confused. Like God seem, some people seem to think God wants to come and give you a beat down. No, it's the opposite. He wants to come and give you a build up. 
He wants to come and give you power on the inside so you can handle today and whatever happens today, you can handle it. God gives you the power. That's why we cry out to him for that, right? And so often we just want God to come and fix our situation. But as, you, as you'll see, there's so much in, in this. Paul's not praying. Whatever situation they're going through, Paul doesn't say, God, I'm asking you to come fix it. He doesn't say that. He says, God, I'm asking you to come and give them strength so they can get through it. Make you give them strength in the inner person, in the inner man, right? God wants to empower you to overcome. Why? Because when you do that, then there's huge rewards for you. Huge rewards, tons of rewards. And we'll talk about that. But anyway, let me just mention, when it talks about like the, the inner man, that's any person regardless of sex. That's the inner person, that's the inner you. So in Genesis 2, it talks about, and, and, and man was made a living soul. Right? So, you, so you are a soul, you live in a body, and you have a spirit. That's the way it works. You are a soul. So, so your soul is like your personality and you know, your likes and dislikes. And, you, know, like you can see a picture of somebody, but that really doesn't tell you who they are. But it's not until you like, interact with somebody that you're like, oh, okay, I know what that person's about. That's your soul. Okay. It's what enjoys pleasure, laughs at comedy, right? Addicted to TV, those type things, right? That's your soul. It's what motivational talks are directed to. It's what all advertising is directed to. That's soul talk. They engage and feed your soul, right? When you come to Jesus Christ, then your spirit comes alive. And then all of a sudden you have this new life that's inside of you. That's the new birth, right? And then what we get, and, and, and then God speaks to us through spirit talk. Not soul talk, but spirit talk. So that, that's, that's what we get when we listen to the Bible, when we read the Bible, when we do praise and worship. That's God communing with our spirit. Now, i got to say this, though. There's, there's some alleged preaching teaching that's really soul talk. It's not spirit talk. It's not talking to your spirit. It's, it's trying to stir up your soul like motivational speech. So a quick question. How do you, one, one, just a little simple little test. How do you know that you're born again? When you think about the Bible, when you think about opening the Bible, do you think, yuck, I don't want to do that. That's, you know, I'd rather be watching my show or whatever. Is that what you think? Well, okay, then you're not born again. But when you think about opening, because that's your, that's your soul talk. Your, your, your soul saying those things, right? It's saying, I don't have any need for that. But when, you know, for somebody who's born again, when you hear about the Bible, when you hear about preaching, teaching, or praise and worship, then your spirit jumps within you, and, and, and you have something that wants to move towards that, right? That's, that's spirit talk. Your spirit is like jumping up, trying to take over, trying to take some control here. That's how you know if you're born again. When you hear, do you, do you, do you, do you search or seek Bible teaching, preaching, stuff like, hey, you're born again. That's a really simple little test. So which one's stronger, soul or spirit? So this is what Paul's talking about in Romans 7 where he says, the things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I do those. He's saying, my soul and my spirit, there's this wrestling match going on inside of me. And when I try to do it, God's, when I try to do it out of my own strength, I keep failing. I keep doing what's wrong. And then at the end of Romans 7, the beginning of Romans 8, he says, but I thank my Lord, I thank God through my Lord Jesus Christ that he, you know, will help me basically is what he's saying. If I lean on him, he'll empower my spirit. So you might have heard about this, but um, there was a guy, and I think this was a true story. There was a guy who, you know, did dog fights in Mexico. And so he had two dogs. One, one was white and one was black. And each week he'd, you know, bring them out. And they'd fight each other. And sometimes this one would win and sometimes that one would win. And he could never figure out, or the people who came were like, look, this dog is like so dominant this week. 
But then the next week, the other dog is so dominant, and it, 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 nobody could ever figure out, like in betting, which, which dog was going to win. So somebody asked him, how do you know which dog is going to win? And he was like, look, I only feed one dog. The dog I feed wins. That's the way it works. So, so an application as a Christian, which one are you feeding? Are you feeding your spirit with preaching and teaching, with Bible reading, with prayer, with praise and worship? Then guess what? Your spirit's going to get strong. But if you're feeding your soul with all the things of this world, your spirit's going to get strong. And which one's going to win? Which one are you feeding? So we begin to grow. So this new birth thing happens to us, and then we we begin to grow spiritually with spiritual nourishment, right? Preaching, teaching, praise, and worship. First Peter two says, "As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow by it." And so, as we live to learn God's way, basically what we're doing is learning how to take control away from our soul and give it to our spirit to let our spirit lead us, guide us. To have a direct connection with God continually. That's called walking in the Spirit. That's that's the goal, right? And so, for example, in Galatians 5, 24, it says, And those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So we're trying to get control away from, well, away from our soul and give it to our spirit so we can walk with God under his control, Right? So it's interesting. This is just a little tidbit. Um, we shift over control of our physical body first. That's just what happens. Then after that, our, our, our speech follows along. So, so this is in James 3, 2. Just a little juicy tidbit if you want to look at it closer. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a mature man, able also to bridle the whole body. So it's like when you can finally get control of your tongue, of what the things you say then that is a huge spiritual milestone. You are like right there at spiritual maturity. If you can do that, it says you are spiritually mature. That's, that is pretty awesome. That's a big milestone. So anyway, and so how does, at verse 16, how does God strengthen you with might through his spirit in the inner man? How does he do it? By his spirit, through his spirit. Because you know what? There's, he, the Holy Spirit is a connection to God. There's no other connection to God that we have. Everything that we have, from, you know, that empowers us for God's things comes down through the Holy Spirit to us, right? And so the Holy Spirit's our lifeline. He's our connection to receive strength and power, to receive information, right? When God tells us things to do, to, you know, directions to take, those, those type, there's, no, there's no other connection. But the Holy Spirit's also fragile. You know, he can be pained, he can be grieved, he can be offended, even by Christians. And so Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, rage, anger, loud quarreling, and slander be put away from you. This is to the church, okay? Let those things be put away from you with all depravity. When we do those things, we grieve the Holy Spirit. It's like we chase him away. It's like we put him in the corner of our lives. And then, and, and then where are we going to find hope from? And then our conduit, our connection to God, we just, like, severed it. How are we going to connect with God? We can't. So, but when we do what he's asking us to do, to put away those things, right, which is so much of it's about conversation or words, but anyway, 
when we put away, you know, the slander and the quarreling and the bitterness, when we put away those things, then, then we're, not, then we're, you know, not grieving the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is pleased. And then he says, the verse continues, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So the application here, don't cut off your lifeline. Instead, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving others, as God forgave you. And then if you do that, then the Holy Spirit, he'll be there, Johnny on the spot. He'll give you power. He'll give you strength in your inner, in your inner man. Which, by the way, that's just the word anthropos. It's man or woman. It's either one. You know, just like anthropology is the study of mankind, that's the word that, that the Bible uses. It's anthropos uh, when it talks about, you know, your inner man. Everybody has an inner man just because it's, you know, mankind. So, anyway. And so... Why does God give us strength? Because he's setting us up for success. So it's, so it's kind of like this. Imagine you're like broken, destitute, you know, down on your luck. You have been in the pits for, you know, jobless for a long time. And then all of a sudden you have a friend who's big into business. She's, she owns her own company. She started a couple of them, you know, doing really great. And she says, you know what? I want you to be part of, I want to start a new business and I want you to be my partner. I'm going to front all the money. I'm going to take care of all the expenses, but I need you to be in it with me from the beginning. She, why, why does she want you there? Because she's wanting to bless you. She's wanting to help you. She's a proven success. This business is going to work. She knows how to do it. She's successful at it. But she wants to grow you and to be a confident business person, man or woman, and to bless you with the rewards of doing well. Right? Some Jewish communities used to do this. They might... Still, I'm not sure, but where they'd like, you know, train a young man in a, you know, in some sort of business, and then they'd set him up for success. They'd buy the building and hire the employees and get him going for a year or something. And then if he failed, they'd do the whole thing again. And if he failed, they'd do it even a third time. Um, but anyway, they're caring for their own and setting them up for success. So in my little parable thing here, your friend is setting you up for success. The success is guaranteed, but you've got to get on board with it. They're going to help you. They're going to teach you along the way. You're going to have to do the hard task. You're going to have to do the menial task. But as long as you stick with it, you're going to be a success. That's exactly what God's wanted to do here, what Paul's praying for. That you'd be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Right? He's setting you up for success. Because when, you, when we live God's way, there's huge reward. Look, because God doesn't want you to be a wimpy, needy, you know, wimp of a Christian. He wants you to be like Jesus on the earth. To be his hands, to be his feet, to be his hands to go help people in need, to be his feet to bring the gospel to places where they've never heard it, to be his arms to just embrace people and help people and love people, to be his mouthpiece to speak his words to, to you know, lost and dying generation. He wants you to be there. He wants you to be the person doing those things. So you've got to be strong on the inside to do them. You've got special abilities, and God wants you to be using them. We can't control what life throws our way, but with God's empowerment, we can respond to life God's way. And there's a reward for that. I'm going to read 1 Peter 2, 19-20. Feel free to shift over there for just a second if you'd like. 1 Peter 2, 19-20. <clears throat> For this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. But what credit is it if when you are you know, beaten or chastised for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, 
if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. So every day we have opportunity to do the family business. If you have an enemy, then you have an opportunity today. <laughs> because Jesus said, love your enemies. If there are people that hate you or curse or persecute or despise you, then you have an opportunity to do the family business. Because Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. That's in Matthew 5. So every day we have opportunities to do the family business, to be kind, to be humble, to be compassionate, to forgive, to love, to value others. How about that? seems like it's such a small thing, but it is huge to serve others, to show Christ's love. But that's not the end of Paul's prayer. There's a couple more things he's, he's praying would happen, and we're going we're gonna to go through those just, just briefly. One thing that's interesting here, that's the only thing that's like completely God's doing. All the rest we're engaged in. And so God gives us his power. And with the rest of us, we have, we're active participants, right? So Christ dwelling in your hearts and comprehending Christ's love and knowing experience Christ's love. So in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So, hey, Riley, can I get you? Come on down here. Thanks. So. All right, everybody give Riley a hand. Okay, so Riley, you're gonna you're you're gonna be like Jesus for right now, okay? Okay, so um, here I am. I'm in my home, okay? This is this is like the home of my heart, and so like right here is my home. So 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 Riley's Jesus, and um, so it's Sunday morning. Hey, come on, Jesus, come on, go ahead, take you know, go ahead, take a seat in my living room, the living room of my heart, right? So here we go. This is great. We got Jesus here for ninety minutes. Okay, Jesus, hey, thanks so much for coming. Go ahead and just like. Sit on the front porch right there. We're, we're, we're done with you for a little while. Okay, just go ahead and sit down. Really, 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 just, like, just like right over here. Okay. Okay, that was really great. Thanks so much, Jesus. That was awesome. And, and, and so that we put Jesus like out in the cold, right? He's outside on our front porch. But you know what? It, it's like we, get, we have other things to do, right? And hey, by the way, Sunday night, that's my favorite show. That's Thrones, right? Can't, I can't be doing anything else. And it's a little awkward to sit next to Jesus watching that stuff. So I just got to keep, keep him outside, right? But Monday and Tuesday, hey, I'm going to work. Hey, Jesus, love it, bro. High five. All right, see you, see you tonight. I'll be back. And then I give my high five when I come back. That's Monday and Tuesday. But Wednesday, hey, guess what? Wednesday is Jesus' lucky day. Jesus, hey, come on over here. Oh, come on, come on. Hey, we got a small group tonight. 6.30. Awesome, bro. Thanks for coming. Come on, sit. Go ahead and take a seat in my living room. This is real, so glad you're here. So glad you're here. But Jesus, luck runs out at 8. Sorry, so sorry, Jesus. You got to go outside again. <laughs> small group's over. Yeah, that's all we really needed you for. Hey, thanks so much. And then Thursday and Friday, you know, high five him as you pass by. Saturday night, hey, that's drinking with the guys or gossiping with the girls. Jesus has got to go for that. We can't have him in. We can't have him in our heart while we're doing that kind. Of, but besides, that's what grace is for, right? Grace is so I can live that way, right? And so that's that's like what what we learn here in America that, that following Jesus is about. It's like we pick him up and drag him in when he's popular, and we leave him outside and you know outside our heart, you know, in the cold when he's not so popular. But that's not what Paul's praying for is. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That dwell is like forever and for good. It's not like Airbnb Jesus where I'll have a room for him sometimes, but I'll kick him out all the rest of the times, right? Paul wants Jesus to dwell in your hearts, to dwell in our hearts. 
to make Jesus our number one, right? Then in verse 17, being rooted and grounded in love. The neat thing about this is that rooted and grounded in love, the tense of that word harkens back to something that happened previously. So it's in a perfect tense that has continuing results. And so it's like being rooted and grounded in love refers to what? When, when you came to Christ Jesus. You know when you first came to Christ Jesus and, and it was like all of a sudden you realized for the first time that God loves me? I remember when that happened to me. It was right after a track meet and it was just like for the first time in my life I felt like God was for me, that he was on my side. I felt like I was loved for the first time by God. And it's like, that's the thing. When you have that, that's the thing that keeps you going. That's your rooting and grounding of love. That's to be rooted. If you're a tree and you've got really deep roots, hey, guess what? Storms come and you don't fall over. But if you're a tree that's got shallow roots, tough luck. Storms come and you are a goner. And so the deep, that's why God gives us such a deep experience of love. And so when the storms of life come, they can sway us a little bit. We'll flex and bend. But you know what? Because you're rooted so deeply in love from that moment when he saved you, that you won't fall over. You won't give in. And you won't give up on Jesus. So the application here, when situations over, overwhelm you, remember that moment. God loves you. Run, run to Jesus. When sin overtakes you and, you, and you, and all of a sudden you realize, oh man, I've made a mess and I didn't even know it. Run to Jesus. Remember that love and run to Jesus. Turn to him for forgiveness. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. <clears throat> Verse 18, 19. I'm going to reword this a little bit for you. Because it like Paul just uses, you know, I don't know, some sophisticated, you know, grammar. So I'm just going to smooth it out a little bit. So this is what he's saying. And since you're rooted and grounded in love, I pray that you would be able to join with all the saints, right? Those who are set apart by Jesus Christ. It's all believers. Okay. I pray that you would be able to join with all the saints in comprehending, which is to grasp or to seize, and to know, to experience the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. So since you're rooted and grounded in love, I pray that you'd be able to join with all the saints in grasping and knowing or experiencing the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. And then he talks about the size of Christ's love. So imagine this. You're, you're in this like big, huge, open space, like a space movie will say. Okay. And then you look, you look to the left as far as you can see. You look to the right as far as you can see. That's breadth. And then you look ahead as far as you can see and behind you as far as you can see. That's length. And then you look down below you, that's depth, and you look up above you, and that's height, and you're in the middle of this enormous box. Everywhere that you can see, every single direction is just keeps going further than you can see, and it's filled with God's love for you. And to know the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. And this is so big that it's like, Every time that you think you get an understanding of it, hey, guess what? It passes you again, just like on the highway. As, you know, as soon as you, it starts to register in your mind how much God loves you, it says the experience of God's love passes knowledge. So you have this piece of knowledge. You're like, wow, God really loves me. And then it's like this car drives by you right again. And that's the experience. The experience of love always surpasses the knowledge of, of love. And so just when we start to think we understand, hey, there's so much more to go. There's so much more to experience. So it's kind of like this. God's love for you is never exhausted. 
He's never frustrated. He's never frizzled out or never freaked out. Imagine this. The best mother, how much the best mother loves her, her favorite child on her best mommy day. Okay? The best mother loves her favorite child on her best mommy day. That just still doesn't compare to how much God loves you. Jesus willingly suffered. He willingly died on the cross just to show you how much he loves you. And you know, even if you never came to salvation, he still would have done it just to make it available to you. Yesterday, we took the kids uh, just outside, let them run, run around outside in the snow. And um, they were excited to go do it. And then we got my four-year-old Madeline. We got her, you know, bundled up, kind of like the Christmas story, then, then sent her outside. And it wasn't five seconds later that she's crying. And so my, my wife, Soki, and I, we go outside to see what's, what's happening and what's, what's the matter. Apparently, Madeline fell on those the two steps coming down out of our house. And um, it looked like there was nothing wrong with her. Actually, she did have just a little scratch at the corner of her lip. Um, but anyway, so there she was just crying, didn't know what to do. And so we checked her out, make sure that she's not bleeding, right? Everything looks okay. And so then what did, what did we do? I just held her, right? She's, she's not broken. She's not bleeding. She doesn't need fixing. But her biggest need is to know that she's loved, to know that somebody cares for her, that we're watching over her. And so I just held her tight and told her, Daddy loves you, over and over. I wish I could have backed up the clock and, you know, fixed the situation before she, you know, fell so she could avoid that. But you know what? I couldn't. In that moment, her biggest need was to just be comforted. Where did I get that from? I got that from God. That's what he does with me all the time. When life gets so messed up from either my circumstances, from things that I've done or from things that other people have done to me, when life gets so messed up, he just holds me close. He doesn't back up the clock to go and fix that thing before it happens so I could avoid pain. He doesn't do that. But what he does is he holds me close and he says, you know what? I love you and I'm here with you. My favorite verse in the Bible is the one that God just uses so much with me. Daniel 10, 11. And the angel said to me, oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved. That's what God does with me. So that's what I do with Madeline. So our application, if you're hurting and broken inside, then you want God to just reverse the clock and turn around and back up and go make it so you don't have to go through the pain so you can avoid your sins, so you can avoid somebody else's sin against you, but he's not going to do that. But instead, he'll hold you close and he'll show you his love. He'll be with you through it, in your pain, with you. Because we think our biggest need is for God to fix our situation, but that's not our biggest need. Our biggest need is to know that God's there, to know that he loves you, he cares for you, and that he's for you. <clears throat> and so then Paul talks about to experience the love of God. That's what he, that's what he, he, he means, to experience the love of God. So you can do all sorts of reading on what it's like to swim with dolphins. Where you're supposed to hold them, you know, on the fin, you know, the dorsal fin at this position, not too high, not, you know, what they're, what they're going to feel like, eggshells, you know, we probably read that, slippery eggshells, that type of thing. But you know what, you could get all the book smarts you want on swimming with dolphins, but you, you're not going to know what it's actually like until you do it, until you experience it. And that's what, and that's what it's like with God's love. 
he can get all the book knowledge from the Bible, from listening to people all about God's love. But until you actually experience it, you haven't. Re- you don't really know it. That's what Paul's asking God that that these believers would experience God's love. That they'd have a huge experience with God's love. When that happens, you'll have love for other people, even for people that hate you. You'll and guess what? You won't be a wimp. You'll fear nothing. Perfect love casts out all fear. You're not going to be afraid of anything, but you're also not going to be dominating others. You're going to be kind and gentle and loving, but not afraid. And then Paul says, he's asking for these things so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so that, that word maybe, it actually is, should, should be would be. If you, if, you know, if you do these things, then you will be filled with all the fullness of God. So what does that look like? It looks like the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It looks like courage. I will fear no evil. It looks like confidence. If the Lord be with us, then who can be against us? It looks like a fighter, not a fan. It looks like a warrior, not a wimp. So our application here, ask God to show you Christ's love, to show you the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to show you the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge you can experience that. And as you do that, you're going to be feeding your spirit and quieting your soul. We sang about that this morning. Be steadfast in my soul. Because guess what? It's your soul that like gets into a tizzy. Your spirit comes along and you feed your spirit and your spirit calms you down. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Exceedingly abundantly. That word is only used three times in the New Testament. So this is interesting. You know how Jesus said, I've come to you might have life and have it more abundantly? That's the same word for abundant. But, he, but Paul uses the exceeding word on top of that only three times here. So what he's saying is, look, I'm asking God to do these things for you because I know what I want to happen. But you know what? When he does things, he does them so much higher than we could even ask or we could even think. And so what I'm praying for is only a drop in the bucket compared to what you're going to get. I'm asking for a teaspoonful of God's you know, strength for you. But God's going to show up with a dump truck full of his strength for you because that's what God does. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to his power that works in us. So here's our application. You may not feel like a warrior yet. You may not think you look like a warrior, but you know you are one. You're in spiritual boot camp. Why? Just because Paul, as Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus, we are praying for you here, everyone at Arise Church. Just like Paul, he gets on his knees before God. We do the same thing here for you. We're praying this for each of you by name. And don't think that this prayer won't be answered. Don't think that, oh, God's going to answer this for somebody else, but not for me. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's not, that's exactly what Paul's contrasting. He, he, he says, he says, this prayer will be answered and it will be answered in spades. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then last, this is where we tie into Thanksgiving. Glory. <clears throat> to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. That's recognition belonging to someone, honor or renown. When somebody's done a really great job at something, they deserve glory, which is recognition for what they've done. And when you go through and you receive the love of God that he's talking about, when you receive the strength of Jesus, Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit that he's talking about, when God changes you on the inside so you can deal with situations in his way instead of the old way, 
when you do when you see all those things happening that you were weak but he made you strong when you were a fool but he made you wise when he gave you power and not fear then you will give God thanks because that's what God's after he's not here trying to rob glory trying to trying to take credit for something he didn't do but but you're going to see that he does so much in your life that you will gladly give him glory because that's the credit that's deserving to someone that belongs to someone because they've earned it. When God does those things for you, you will give him glory and it will bless your, your soul. It will bless your spirit. And that's called thanksgiving. So we're going to go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who's our conduit to heaven, who's our lifeline to hope, Help us to live in a way that we don't grieve him. Help us to walk in the path and so that that we would be feeding our spirit, not our soul. Help us to grow strong, that we'd be strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man. That we'd be rooted and grounded in love. We'd be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length or the width and length and breadth and height, and to experience the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge. We need you, O Father. Thank you for this day. Help Jesus to abide in our lives. Help us to include him in everything. Help us to not be ashamed of him. We praise you and love you. We thank you for all the good things that you do. We ask that you would bless each one here. We ask that you would keep us safe today. Give us joy as we walk with you. And give everyone a great Thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And I don't think we have a closing song right
soul to the ground. Baby, you're the one. 